Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a multi-site church longing for God's kingdom to come in order to restore the city and renew the nation of Wales. During the coronavirus outbreak, we are not meeting on a Sunday, but you can stay connected with us on YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vineyard Church Cardiff. Here's this week's talk from our senior pastor, James Rankin. Hi, I've just finished my cup of tea and I'm ready. I'm ready to be preaching. Tea does that for me. It's like, now I'm ready to get in back into the book of James. We're in our second to last talk in the book of James uh, in our series called Real Faith. And the title for today is Real Faith, Who's in Charge? And one of the things that we've seen in the last few months as as COVID-19 has hit the world, and one of the things that has taught us is that we thought that we were in control And we've realised that that is a complete illusion. We are not in control at all. Control has been stripped away. The plans of nations and governments, businesses, the G7, any, you know, big global brand have realised they're not in control. Then we bring it down to our households as well. So we can think on a massive scale, but then also on just a really local scale down to our households and families, the world has been shaken and we have all been affected. And plans that we've had for many of us have just been thrown out of the window. It's like we're starting with a new sheet of paper. It's like, oh, okay, let's start again. And the passage that we're looking at today speaks right into the middle of this. It could not be more apt. And so we're going to pick up the passage in James 4 verse 13. It says this, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not know even what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. Now, James doesn't seem to be letting it up, letting up Um, for the last few weeks. It's been it's been quite intense. It's been full on. We've taken on some huge subjects and the scriptures are challenging us. They're challenging me as a preacher as well. But he James keeps bringing us back to this thought. If you believe Jesus's teachings, if you believe the gospel, now show it in your life. This is what it will look like. This is what real faith will look like. So at the beginning of 4 verse 13, at the beginning of 5 1, he says this. Now listen. Now I've tried this at home, obviously being the headmaster of our school, our home school right now. This now listen has been tried on many an occasion Fortunately, it hasn't been that effective for me. You know, now listen. And then I, I'm more moved to this. Please, please, would you listen to me? Like, we've got some work to do. Come on. But in the language of the time, this now listen is, is actually really forceful. And in other places, it's almost like woe unto you. It's the beginning of a challenge. James is challenging some of the thinking of the time. He's coming against mindsets and behaviours. So what is it that he's actually addressing? And we can see it right here in the beginning at verse 13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. What's he talking about? Because it might seem a little bit confusing to start with. 
Because on the surface, it looks like he's condemning what we would call today strategic planning. Now, some of you, as I say that word, you're like, oh, oh yeah, I love a strategic plan. Others of you are feeling a little bit, oh, it's a business plan. But if you look at it, there's a time frame of a year. There's a financial target, which is to become profitable in a year. That's what he seems to be having a go at. Now, the problem is he can't just be condemning planning because as we know from the rest of scripture, particularly the book of Proverbs, to not plan is seen to be foolish as well. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Also in Luke 14, where Jesus gives this um, story about a man building a tower, but he doesn't actually do a budget before he starts to build the tower and he hasn't worked out whether he's got the materials or how anything's going to work. It's foolishness. Then he talks about a general who goes out to war without counting up the assets. And this is what Jesus calls foolishness in Luke 14. So, so James can't be saying what is foolishness is the planning. Don't ever do a strategic or a business plan. Although some of you love me to say that. Please never plan. Live a completely spontaneous life. He's not saying that. Instead, he's talking about a particular heart attitude around the planning. And in particular, the key verse is verse 16, where he says, as it is, you boast and brag. At the heart of this boast is the central idea that I'm in control, that I know what's going to happen, that I can determine the future. In essence, saying my kingdom, my wills, my wants, my desires, my plans, as opposed to my kingdom versus his kingdom, his rule, his reign, his wants, his plans. And these are two completely different things. My kingdom is where I'm in charge, where I say, what happens? I am the captain of my soul, the master of my fate, the master of my destiny. His kingdom means, Lord, you know best, show me your plans. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. How often is that the case? We would do this and the Lord's like, no, 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 no. I want you to think about your heart attitude. I want you to think about what's really going on here. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. There is a way of thinking that leaves God completely out. If I do this and plan this and control this, ultimately I'm in charge. Business planning, life planning without God. Is it wrong to have plans? No, absolutely not. Is it wrong to have a vision? No. It's not a sin to be to make a plan or to be organised. In fact, all of these things are good. So what's the problem? He continues, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills. We will do that. See, what they have said is, we will do this. And he's saying, well, what about the Lord? It'd be better to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. The problem is not when we have a vision, hope, a dream, a plan, all of those things. The problem is when it doesn't include the Lord. The problem is when it's out of arrogance and not humility. It's seeking our will, not God's will. That's the problem. And one of the ways that we can begin to determine that is through our motivation. Who gets the glory? 
Who's this really about? Is this about my success and me looking good? Or is this ultimately about the Lord's glory? Now, here's the problem. If you don't know where you come from, if you don't know why you're here and you don't know where you're going, you don't know what to do. And subsequently, you don't know how to plan. If you know your identity in him, it changes the way you plan. If you know that he has plans and purposes for you, it changes the way you plan. If you know that this is this life is important, but it's not the end. It's but a breath. It changes the way you plan. If you know how to seek and hear his voice, it changes the way that you plan. It's very easy to put a whole load of plans together and then suddenly realise, do you know, at no point did I consult the Lord, pray about this, seek counsel from godly and wise people. I've just done this without the Lord. So what's the difference between my kingdom and his kingdom? I keep coming back to this verse. It feels like a verse for the season. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's his kingdom at work. But if I substitute the Lord's name for my name, be strong in James and in his mighty power. And you substitute your name. Suddenly you begin to realise it's like, oh, yeah, do you know what? It's striving. It's self-fulfillment. It's about me. So coming back to this, if the Lord wills, instead you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Now, let's just be clear. This can be the ultimate Christian cliche, can't it? If it be the Lord's will and it just gets thrown out there each time. Some of you, there's somebody in your life who might be quite religious and they'll just throw this out there all the time. Oh, Lord willing, Lord willing, if the Lord wills. You're at the dinner table and you say, do you know what, can you just pass the ketchup? Lord willing, I'll pass the ketchup. No, 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 that's really not why I'm asking. I'm just asking, just move it across the table. I don't think we need to stop on this one. I really need the ketchup, my chips are going cold. Pass it. Sometimes it can make us feel so mad, it's like, oh, Come on. So the goal is not to have this the Lord wills cliche, but it's a conviction, an attitude, a longing. Sometimes we can take these good things from Scripture and they get overused, don't they? And they get put into the wrong context. And so we stop taking the principle behind them. But actually, there's a massively important principle in here. And to say if the Lord wills is saying this, I've sought the Lord and wise counsel and I've prayed and planned. And I believe the bet to the best of my understanding, what I'm planning on doing is right in the sight of the Lord and what the Lord has for me to do. But I could be wrong. Therefore, the Lord is welcome to change my plans because his will overrides my will. And I trust that his will is glorious for him and good for me. Can you see? What that allows for is for those of us who are more active it allows us to stand in humility. And for those who are a bit more passive, it will allow you to have more confidence. I think this is right. And if it's not, I'm inviting the Lord to redirect my steps. It stops us going down dead ends because we pray and plan, but it keeps changing and it's generally not static. If you think about our life and, and our plans for life, they're not static things that we just set up this never changing thing that, that is very movable. It changes. This whole situation has changed. Take the church and the vision of the church, you know, and the outworking. It's like, well, the vision hasn't changed, restoring the city, renewing the nation. But some of the outworkings are going to look different in this time. We hadn't planned for any of the things that we've seen in the last four months. We didn't see it coming. In fact, the world didn't see it coming. So we adapt our plans and we change and we keep moving forwards. 
the key is including the Lord and his kingdom is central to this process. And it's very, very easy just to subtly begin to stop doing that. And yes, there are the big decisions in life, the huge decisions. Shall I take this job? Shall I move to this city? Shall I marry this person? Yes, there's all of those. But each and every day of our life, there is decision after decision. There is choice after choice after choice. And as we begin to include the Lord at the big things and in the small things, it just changes the way that we live. Now, in my second year as a student, I moved out of halls and lived in a house with four lads. I think we were really boys, if I'm honest. Lads is far too strong a term. Not sure I want to be a lad anyway. Anyway, none of us had a clue about how to live. We didn't really know what we were doing. Cooking, what do you do? Pot noodle. We didn't know how to look after ourselves. And our house was just the most disgusting thing ever. I, I, I look back and feel even me, I feel a little bit of a shame about it. Anyway, I had this small box room right at the front. I got the fourth choice. I got this tiny, tiny room. And one of my windows was not actually glass. It was, it was like cling film, but quite a, quite a strong cling film. Now, looking back, I'm thinking, why on earth did I not go and speak to the landlord about this? I actually don't have a proper window. I've got a piece of cling film. I didn't really think about it at the time. Anyway, came to winter, my room, front of the house, absolutely freezing. Now combine this with the fact that we didn't realise that there was something called a thermostat in the house. <laughs> I, remember, I still remember the day one of my friends found it. He's like, I found this thing on the wall. And suddenly we turned it on, we're like, oh my goodness, we can change the temperature, we can turn it up. And so from that point on, we did live in a very, very hot house. But up until that point, our house was freezing. Now, I used to sleep in my clothes, in my sleeping bag with a duvet. And I'm quite a warm-blooded person, so it was freezing. So I'd wake up in the morning, and sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I would realise that actually uh, my breath was freezing. There was this vapour coming out. And so I'd lie in bed in the morning, just breathing out this vapour, this mist into the air. That's quite something when you're indoors, when you're in a house. Well, in this passage, James describes our lives as being like a breath, like a mist that's here today and gone tomorrow. He says this, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes <laughs> a bit like my breath as I woke up in the morning. Now, James throws in this massive question. What is your life? What is your life? What, where do you come from? Do you know? Where are you going? Do you know? Why on earth? What are you here on earth for? Do you know? What's your life? Huge, huge question. Now, this is a time in our society when people are re-evaluating. They are asking huge questions. I was speaking with a, a guy yesterday, a guy who was just doing some painting and he was just talking about how his brother had passed away a couple of weeks earlier. Just in his 50s, not quite sure whether it was COVID related or quite exactly, but completely out of the blue. And he was going to the funeral tomorrow. And so we just started chewing over this question at this moment. Well, what's life about? The shock of it, how he's dealing with it. 
really talking about how fragile life is, that it's but a breath. That's the analogy that we've been given here. But that we have this incredible hope. We have this incredible hope that the world doesn't have right now, that this life is but a breath, but yet we are moving towards eternity, that there is something so much more, that there is a heaven, that there is a place where we go to be with God. And it says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. There are plans and the purposes, purposes for us that the Lord has for us now, here and now. And the majority of it is guided by the scriptures about how we're to live, the attitudes and the values through how which we're to live. Love God, love people, make disciples. And we pretty much can take that. We can take that into any situation that we find ourselves. You can do that anyway. The scriptures are really clear. And then there is a much, much smaller part of our life, so much smaller, which are the specifics. Now, the image that the Lord has given me this week is of a dance. Now, I'm one of, no, I'm not that bad at dancing. I'm all right, actually. I'm, I'm energetic. I'm keen, but limited would be, would be what I think about my dancing. I'm glad that Jen's not here because I'm sure that she would have an opinion that I might not want to hear right now. But the image that I've been given is really of this picture of the dance, us and the Lord. And this is what's going on in this partnership between us and the Lord, where he's in charge and he's leading. And there, there is a synergy between the two. When you watch two people dance that are good at dancing, it is the most beautiful thing, isn't it? You just sit and you're like, wow. The way that they move, they are in step with one another. And that's what we're trying to do with the Lord. We're trying to keep in step. He is, he is leading the dance of our life and we are trying to keep in step with him and his purposes. Now, what the problems come as Christians in our life when we start to want to lead and we start to want to take over and we don't trust the Lord. Suddenly we're like, we're backing off. It's like, no, I want to go this way. Now, when you see that kind of dance, it is ugly. They are not moving together. They're moving further apart. And so that's often what when we start to take control and we start to take over, we move further and further apart and that connection begins, begins to move. Confusion begins to come in. But you can also take that analogy one step further. And this is the point where we start dancing alone. That, that picture of us, and we're on the dance floor and the Lord's, we've left the Lord over there and we're like, do you know what? I know better. I know better. I'm going to live this way. I'm going to do this. Now, that is an incredibly dangerous place to be when we start dancing alone. When we've stopped asking him to be involved. That's what life is like without the Lord. We're on the dance floor. It's incredibly lonely. It's all up to us. We're making up this picture of our life and how it's going to work. And we're trying to forge in the midst of uncertainty. The difference between that picture with us of the Lord and that closeness and being able to rely on that partnership that's going on. Can you see the difference in those pictures? Now, sometimes people run off on a certain path. They've, they've planned and they've schemed, but at no point did they ask the Lord. That's like dancing alone. Now, why do they do that? Either because they forgot. Sometimes it's just, you know what? I'm not in the habit of doing that. I haven't learned what it is. Or at other times, just because I'm really, really afraid of what the Lord would say. And actually, I just don't want to do. I know what the Lord would say. And he'd be like, do you know what? That is not a wise thing for you to do in your life. 
actually, I, I want to take over. And it's kind of like a self-destruct moment. I know what the Lord would say. I know that it's probably not good for me, but I'm going to do it anyway. We choose to walk in a different direction. And one of the most common questions that I get asked as a pastor is guidance for life. People sit down with me and they're like, well, this situation is going on and how should I do this? And how do I make this decision? And often you're given quite a lot of power in that moment that people are like, well, help me make this decision. And, you know, sometimes it can be tempting to be like, you just need to do this. But actually part of our job is, well, what do the scriptures say? Okay, well, the scriptures say this. And what do you think that the Lord's saying? That we push it back to people. It's like, what do you think that the Lord's saying? Let me help you to hear his voice in this process. But there's also beautiful when we look at the life of Jesus and, and how he made decisions, what he did. How did he know I'm supposed to do this? I'm not supposed to do that. Now, James was there. Again, he was um, Jesus's little brother and he would have watched it all. Now, and in John, here's what Jesus had to say about his life. John 5, verse 19. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Coming back to this analogy of the dance, which is running through, the Trinity is in this perfect harmony. I think C.S. Lewis talks about this dance going on between the Trinity, where they move in and out, but it's completely united. Now, the challenge for us is to join the Father's dance, to be in step with his spirit. So I want you to take a moment to picture the dance that you're in right now. What does it look like to move beyond? Sometimes you're like, oh, James, I'm rubbish at dancing. Well, so am I. But that doesn't mean it's not a profound picture. What does that dance look like? Is it quite in step? Is it quite close? Is there a real distance between you? Or are you, in fact, at the point where you're just dancing alone? What kind of dance is it? Just think about that for a moment. And if you could do one thing to be more in step with his spirit, what would it be? could be just acknowledging that you're not in charge just that surrender moment of oh lord i'm i've been utterly living for my kingdom as i look at it i'm just aware i'm alone i'm isolated and i want to come back into that so sometimes that's the first step is just acknowledging it sometimes it's asking for counsel learning to pray committing to christian community i don't want to tell you what it is but sometimes it's like what would the lord say in this moment what does it look like for you to be in step with his spirit and i just want to finish with this the prayer, Father, what are you doing? In this time of change and unsettledness and challenge, we begin to pray, Father, what are you doing and where are you moving? Lord, let me see your fingerprints. This is my prayer right now, just individually in, in my own life, but also for the church. Father, show me where you're breathing new life. Show me where you're wanting to restore lives. Show me where I can partner with your spirit. Lord, show me the opportunities that weren't there before. It's different. The world is different to when we went in. Yeah, lots of things are the same. But there are so many opportunities out there. There are so many. The Lord is active and moving all of the time. And our role as the people of God is to get in step with his spirit. So would you join me in this prayer for your life? for your church, for your family, for our city and beyond our city. Lord, I want to be in step with your spirit. Your kingdom come. Lord, I say in this moment, 
I acknowledge that you are in charge. Who's in charge? You're in charge. I've settled that in my soul. You're in charge. And what, Lord, what does it look like to keep in step with your spirit? Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, you can tune into our YouTube channel on Sundays from 10.30 for our online church or connect with us through Facebook and Instagram to hear from us throughout the week. We would love to help you find out more about Jesus or grow in your faith. So if you have any questions, get in touch on social media or email info at cardiffvineyard.org. If you're local to Cardiff, we would love for you to get involved in a small group, which is just a small group of people meeting throughout the week across the city. Of course, meeting online at the moment. They are the heartbeat of this church and now more than ever at this time of social distancing, they are so important for you to stay connected to church and grow in your faith. Head to our website cardiffvineyard.org and hit the small groups tab at the top of the page to find out more. If you're listening from further afield, thanks so much for tuning in. We're really glad you're here. But we would also love to help you get connected with a local church where you are. So email us at info at cardiffvineyard.org and we would love to help. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.